Don't you think? What? <laughs> I mean, Kung Fu fighting. What's I know, that, Dookie? I mean, we've got Bruce Thomas coming in to discuss the glories oh, of Bruce Lee. Oh, is he that sexy man? He's a very sexy oh, man. I saw him. He's a sexy man, isn't he, with the air? Are we talking about Bruce Lee or He's Bruce Thomas? He's got lovely flaxen air. He certainly does. It's beautiful. And he's gorgeous. And he he's is. very, very sexy. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you something right now, Dookie. Yeah. If I was 20 years younger, right. I'll tell you. He wouldn't know what hit him. I'm telling you. Mm. If I were 20 years younger, he's just gorgeous. Now, I don't mean to do Dan the, the lovely Billy Richie because he's gorgeous too. But he ain't, he ain't been returning me phone calls now, has he? I'm sorry to hear oh, that. Oh, no, it's awful. You're a free agent now. Isn't it, Dookie? <laughs> and me Roy don't mind either because you know he loves that that Gloria Gloria Hunterford. The Gloria Annie And he is also after that other one, you know, with the cupcakes. Oh, Mary Berry. Yeah, the Mary Berry. Mm. And he's all over her. He loves her cupcakes, Dickie. He loves them. Nice. Can I finish me singing now? Yeah, go on. Kung Fu fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. There's kids were fast as lightning. And it were a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. Bam, 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 bam. Studio Sylvia Silversmith. Hello, everyone. And Marsha McDonald. What up, peeps? In the studio for the second time, we've got special guest Bruce Thomas. Last year, we discussed all of his musical endeavours, as well as his wonderful book, Rough Notes. And this time, as Irene hinted at, we're talking about the world of martial arts, and in particular, Bruce Lee. Dookie. Mm Mm-hmm. I just happened to be lucky enough to be around your studio premises when the good man himself was over. So I put up a thing on Facebook saying that this marvelous man was in the house and that I was just a little bit excited about it. I got more likes than I've ever had in my life. The Dukey Radio Show, your gateway to getting more Facebook likes. Even when, you know, I've put up, I've put up pictures of your dog, Dookie, which always gets tons of likes. Because if you have a cute animal, you're going to get a ton of likes. It, but Mr. Bruce Thomas himself, more likes than I've ever had. More likes than ever. The <sighs> most likes ever. What can I say? He is a likable chap. Fans all over the country, Dookie. All over the world. All over the world. All over the world. And one friend was begging me for a picture of him. 
begging. He said, can I have a fanboy picture, please? That sounds not so much like fanboy as stalker boy. No, no, he just said, could you just get me a fanboy picture? Send me a photo. Yeah, no, I didn't mean could it. Could I have his pants, please? <laughs> no, my lovely friend is so not like that. And that sounds like you do that a little bit too convincingly. That <laughs> I is, don't know what that little, accent it was. It's a little bit creepy, dookie. Indeed. I think we need to shut up and just hear Bruce and myself talk about Bruce Lee. Bruce on Bruce. Yeah, it kind of makes me want to do some high kicks. I'm up for that. All I'd right. like to see you do that. Let's let's do it. It all started in Shepherd's Bush for you. This particular episode that we're about to enter into, I think mm. it, it did, yeah. yeah. Not that I want to go over a, an event that yeah. is is far from pleasant. You, you were mugged. In... Oh, I thought you were talking about my marriage. Oh. <laughs> As I said, well, you were mugged. Yeah, I was. Yeah, it, it, a bit galling because I was... I was held up at knife point outside the front of my own front door, virtually, which was under a lamppost which had a sign that read, this is a neighbourhood watch area. No. So the irony was, you know... Did people watch you? There was nobody there. No, the fact, weirdly, I, you know, walking round in a bit of a semi-trance, being down to the local supermarket to get a carton of ice cream for, for afters and another bottle of wine, you know, because mm-hmm. two or three is not enough. And, um, it never is. <laughs> I was on the way back, and there was a couple of guys came across the road on the way back, and then sort of split up. And I thought, that's a bit odd. Didn't realise they were about to mug me then. Only they'd seen someone, so they kind of melted. And then I walked another few hundred yards up the road, got to my house, and then they appeared again. And then, of course, it all falls into place once you, you know, mm-hmm. once you think back. But yeah, I got held up and I didn't have any cash on me, so they they left the ice cream and and took my watch. And then I kind of, you know, I thought I'm going to get into the car and go and run them down, you know, and all that kind Mm. of thing, you know, revenge and... Adrenaline. Adrenaline comes up and then you get mad and then you get depressed about it for being a wally and then you Mm. get kind of scared that you don't feel, you know... People, you know, people that have had that situation, they get nervous about going out again Absolutely. and things like that. So, upshot of it was, <clears throat> uh, but a few days later, I was at um, Elvis's wife's birthday party. I think they were estranged at that point, so mm. she was having a, a birthday party on her own. And um, I, there was a guy there in a kind of black. Uh, Tai Chi, you know, Kung Fu pyjama suit outfit with slippers on and things. So I got talking to him about, you know, I said, well, is this a fashion statement or do you actually do this <laughs> thing? You know, and he said, yeah, I, I, I do Kung Fu. And, he, and I said, oh, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm thinking about taking up a martial art because I told him what had happened and everything. He said, oh, you need to go and see this guy in Shepherd's Bush called Derek Jones. He's, he's the, the business, you know, so... Uh, a few days later, I did. I found my wa- I found my way down there to his uh, basement in Shepherd's Bush Road. And um, odd thing was though about all that is that I never saw that guy who gave me the recommendation, the 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 advice. I never saw him again. Derek had never heard of him. Didn't know his name. Didn't match a description. It's almost like he was. <laughs> he, he, he was a little bit Twilight Zone because he was never. 
you know, I thought, well, where did he come from to point, you know, I mean, he'd be nothing to it, but I just thought it was a little bit... A little Fortuna, bit, it was little, meant to be. A bit of a synchronistic, synchronicity, absolutely. Synchronicity working there because, uh, you know, the old saying, when the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. And I thought, but exactly where did he appear from, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's the story. And so I... Um, How I st- serendipitous. The timeline between the, the knife point... Uh, incident and when you met this person that became your gateway to Bruce Lee and martial arts and to becoming a a writer and an expert in in martial arts and on Bruce Lee what's the timeline between the incident and meeting this this person that remains nameless? Only a few days so it really was serendipitous. It was quick yeah it was quick because I went down uh, between being robbed and meeting Derek was a week and starting training. Right. You know, it happened very quick. I went down there, saw a class, saw what he was doing, you know, and then sort of and signed up. So it, it was at a period when when I was between the band, if you see what I mean, mm. between the first stint through the 80s and the second stint in the 90s. There was a period of a few years right? where once I started training, I did it in the same way that I did when I took up bass guitar, which was 10 hours a day mm. or several hours a day. I mean, I'm a big believer, as you probably know, in the 10,000 hours rule that you just really have to get it into your muscle memory and get it in embodied, embody the knowledge. It's got to go from the head into the into the tissues, you know, mm-hmm. so you just pick up, you pick up, a, you pick up a guitar and play a C chord. You don't, you know. But only because you've done it so many times. Absolutely. Repetition and the time that you put in is super important. I I seem to remember uh, one of Bruce Lee's quotes that you reference. It's about the power of somebody that has done one move 10,000 times than 10,000 moves. That's the one, yeah. I'd rather, I I, I don't fear a man who's practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear a man who's practiced one kick. 10,000 times. That's the one. Yeah. That's the In one. Fact, Kung, the, the, the words Kung Fu themselves don't refer to a fighting style. It, it translates as time spent or mm. effort put in. So it, it's very much along those lines, you know, the, even the term itself. When you met Derek Jones... How many hours were you putting in at first and the tuition? Was it one-to-one? Were you in a small group originally? Yeah, it's, um, there, were, I don't know, there were about maybe 20, 30 regular students right. and maybe half a dozen hardcore students, if you like. Um, the, I was going three days a week and maybe doing a double session, which was right. like two two-hour sessions or something like that. Um, the instruction was he would do teach you one to one, but then you would go and practice with senior students and so forth. So once you'd learn, once you learnt a new move or a new technique, or whatever, you go and practice it with somebody. You'd come round and keep tweaking it and doing doing things. So it was a bit of both, you know. It was uh, it was you need the mixture of people because everybody's got different energy or a different build or different heights mm. or different. You know, some people are more yielding, some are more aggressive and everything. So you need to experience the the varieties of uh, energetic interplay, if you want to put it that way. 
And in terms of interplay mm. in mm. your book, your ever present and presence indeed you know features um as as an important entity in beyond the limits and one of the things which i seem to recall is you refer to your own initial learning style and using humor as a way yeah. to deflect as on a, yeah. your frustration with yeah with it's like not the, getting things immediately it's like the you know like the kid that gets bullied at school mm. becomes the comedian doesn't he and and becomes a kind of bully sidekick <laughs> or so, something like that it's um well there's a cliche but it's a cliche because it's absolutely true that the martial artist's greatest battle is with himself because you're actually having to uh, if somebody's attacking you you actually first of all have to overcome your reaction your reaction will be either for an untrained person will either be to freeze and to cut you know which is the the, the flight one or the fear one mm. or to flail and go and just just go mad and try and fight your way out of it uh while you're learning presence i mean if i'd have had any presence i would have realized i was about to be mugged the first time those guys you know, I saw them coming towards me crossing the road. Peripheral awareness. Well, just just at this point, this was just basic awareness. Not mm. even, you know, just just being bloody on the planet, you know, mm. and not in some dream about whatever, you know. Um, and um, the 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 learning curve, I guess, is 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 to get it to, to start lining up for a start the the mental processes emotional processes and the physical processes so they're all pointing in the same direction um when you're put under stress which you are if someone's trying to beat you up basically um in a in a combat situation you will tend to revert to type which will be either a physical reaction to flail out of it or to freeze or or to in my case try and make a joke out of it you know if mm. i did anything wrong or i come up with a you know i've been known for coming up with the odd witty line from time to time and that was the way i used to used to deal with it and you just you know it's a it's a ploy that's very transparent very quickly and it doesn't work you mm. know so other people might have a, you know, go. I'm, I'm, my father's a solicitor, or I'm, you're, you're in trouble, you know, or whatever, whatever. How long did it take for you, through your own self-awareness, to peel back those layers? I'll let you know. Oh, yeah. I suppose in a way we're always learning, we're and always martial do, arts. We're always doing it. No, it's just just the start of the process. Mm. There's a kind of slight contradiction because. To quote Bruce Lee, you don't work towards awareness. It's not a process you work towards. You either are aware or you're not. He, say you, he says you don't work towards liberation. I am liberated or I'm not, which means that you can only be aware in the moment. It's no good me working towards being more aware next week am I, unless I'm aware now. You see, aware of the possibility. Mm. Otherwise, it's a fantasy about being aware next week. But if I'm aware now, I'm aware. That's the difference. It really only happens. Awareness only happens in the present. It's the mind. Mindfulness is the is the current buzzword that comes from Buddhism. That people talk about being mindful, which is really just connecting mind, body, emotions to your current environment. Mm. 
In Beyond the Limits, you reference a study done by a university in the That's, States yeah. in which people who had OCD That's right, yeah. utilised mindfulness yeah. in order to alter how that particular condition affected their day-to-day -day life. And what really interests me is that the result over whatever the time frame yeah. was for it yeah. was the equivalent of the you know had they taken appropriate medication That's for it, that yeah the brain scan the brain scan show well the ocd patients would be beset by com, you know compulsive thoughts and weird thoughts about mm. what to do and how to behave that's the nature of it it applies to other conditions as well uh, like anxiety and stuff and and certain things but um the the guy who's leading the research or the experiments um instructed these people to say every time these obsessive thoughts started surfacing to say um oh there goes my mind again you know don't i realize it's just like a broken faulty radio that's mm. trying you know and and just go yeah there goes my there it goes again you know there uh, here we are and and surely enough they they managed to um create the change where where the obsessive thoughts lost their power that corresponded exactly and on brain scans corresponded exactly with it if they'd taken the medication as you say so this is what he called self-directed neuroplasticity which simply means that the neuro part of us the brain and nervous system is plastic which means that our brains and nervous system can be altered or can be rewired intentionally through our own self-direction mm. which is what bruce lee was very much into pioneering without realizing he was it was called neuroplasticity obviously it was probably called positive thinking in those days you know it's not not entirely dissimilar but it's it's setting an intention and fleshing it out if you like this neuroplasticity goes hand in hand with another kind of breakthrough science called epigenetics which says that we're not genetically predisposed to behave in a certain way we can't change the color of our eyes we mm. can't grow an extra arm or leg but we're not saying, well, my father was always miserable, so what do you expect? It's in my genes. That's why that, I'm a miserable kid now, mate. That isn't... That, get with it. That is, exactly. <laughs> that isn't... That's not the case. All those things that a lot of people, including even things like cancer predisposition, are not... Are not um, Genetic, you know, you're not programmed genetically to have certain diseases or to behave in a certain way. Genes really only fix about 15% of what we are. Mm. The rest is rewritable. And the key to how one can rewrite these genes, you explore in depth in Beyond the Limits and also reference a serious incident that Bruce Lee himself had to contend with yeah which yeah. was while training yeah he damaged his sacral nerve yeah and i understand that the actual prognosis 
that that he was given by doctors, yeah. experts. Yeah. Absolutely grim. You know, they predicted yeah. that oh, they he said he'd be lucky to walk again, never the... mind fight or act or anything. Yeah. And this is all before all the films oh, that you, is, the listeners, are going well, to be aware of. This was a, a, very, a very low point in his life because when he'd gone to America, he'd gone there to. He ended up teaching martial art, but he wanted to resume his acting career that he'd had as a child actor in Hong Kong. He'd had some success with the TV series. Um, then he'd he had an idea for a program to be called The Warrior, which would feature a renegade Shaolin monk mm. in the Wild West. And he went to, to uh, producers of the idea. They said, oh, no, it'll never work and everything. You're not suitable for the role anyway or whatever. And, and um, not long afterwards, of course, it was the idea was actually taken and turned into the Kung Fu series featuring David Carradine, which was the number one TV show of its day uh, in the 70s. Absolutely, a tremendously popular show. Uh, Bruce Lee had a few... He had celebrity students in the film business and they were trying to help him get various film projects going, but none of them really got off the ground. James Coburn James being one. Coburn being mm. one. Steve yeah, McQueen. Steve McQueen being another. And the screenwriter, Sterling Sillyfant, who mm. did Towering Inferno and the Poseidon Adventure and everything, who, who was a really serious student. He was a very... And James Coburn was. I think Steve McQueen was more of a dabbler, but... Um, they tried to get him... Um, getting him a project going. Um, nothing happened, so... He kind of, in the meantime, bought a big house in Bel Air on a mortgage and a Porsche and everything, but he had $50 left in the bank, and then he had this injury. <clears throat> so he was, you know, bedridden, sent his wife out to work on the minimum wage, just had his second child, daughter Shannon. <clears throat> so there was, you know, there was financial So this pressure. is 1969. Yeah. He's being told that he'll never walk again. <clears throat> At that point, he does... Two things. Well, he does several things, but two things. He he started writing first of all, writing his 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 martial arts system and philosophy, and the te- the Taoist philosophy behind it, which eventually came to light as his book, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. And then he wrote two affirmations. He wrote one that said, "Whoever." Uh, is he realizes the void i'm paraphrasing mm. is filled with love and light and all things you know that the, the nature of the of the Tao itself and he said and the other one he wrote was within t- 10 years i will be the most famous oriental film star in the world and have at my disposal 10 million dollars mm. well i will live a life of happiness and harmony and do what i can for my fellow man kind of thing mm-hmm. Wrote both of those while he was immobile and, in a sense, fulfilled them simply because he, I think, to have gone as far into martial arts as he did, you start, you're not dealing with uh, ex- external physical movement, you're dealing with marshalling your mental, emotional, and um, subtle energetic powers. Because you, you, you're using what the Chinese call qi, which is mm. life force energy, which uh, you, there are several, you know, little experiments you can do where you, where four people pick you up and then, you know, you, you, you think yourself heavy 
and then four people can't pick you up simply because you're using your mind to make yourself heavier. It works. The, those things work. You When you strike, you know, between one or four inches into somebody and you visualise it going into somebody and it has far more of a devastating physical effect than if you just threw the blow itself. Mm, mm. You're using your, you know, you're using all your, that's how the one inch punch works. You know, you, you don't just punch somebody from an inch. You harness every faculty you've got, plus your creative use of imagination, if you like, to make it work. So Bruce Lee was then faced with harnessing these, these kinds of powers into curing his injured spine. Now, obviously, I've got no idea what thought process he was, he was actually going through or if he really, really, really did it. But I'm using my best and most educated guess mm. from, from everything I know about him and me um, as to how he resolved the issue through directing his own body to heal itself. And in the book, I kind of describe that process. Mm -hmm. It follows up with a lot of the, like the OCD patients and this woman, Ellen Langer, who did a similar experiment where she got old people and told them to, uh, and made them live in the circumstances that they'd lived 20 years previously. Oh, yes. Uh, right? 19, in the late 50s, like 1959 yeah. was 1979, the year. 1979, she did the experiment, but told these people to, she set up a, a project where all the TV programs, the magazines, the furniture everything was um as it would have been 20 years earlier and she told them to live as the not as if but as they were 20 years previously and suddenly all these grumpy people who were had got bad colds and you know what using walking sticks were cooking all their own food having lively discussions their iq levels went up there they gained height they became physically stronger and everything simply through the, the, the mind changing. It's that the, if the, the mind can, uh, as I say, you can't grow an extra arm or leg or change your eye colour, but you can do so much with, uh, with the mind-body interface. Because it's not really mind over matter. It's my, I call it mind within matter. Same as X. Mind within matter. Uh, because they're made of the same stuff, mm. just at different, vibrating at different frequencies. So they're in the same place. The mind isn't in the head and the body's, you know, carrying it round. The mind and the body occupy the same space. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately everywhere. Ultimately the universe, probably. But I'm paraphrasing it really badly. Bruce Lee indicated that you know he wasn't a victim of circumstances but created opportunities yeah circumstances hell i make circumstances ah yes that was his <sighs> that's the quote yeah and in a way when he was laid down in bed with a horrible prognosis yeah. with a very expensive house in the middle of Bel Air. Yeah, yeah. And he'd worked on the Green Hornet. So the money that he'd made from that... That, would, that was, wasn't much. Oh, uh, really? No. No, that would have been... I forget how much it was, but it was just enough to buy a second-hand car, basically. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So he really had overextended himself... Uh, yeah financially yeah and for somebody in the late 60s a, a chinese man having to ask his 
wife Linda to go That's and right, work, yeah. you must have been quite a, a blow. Yes, to be a to blow him. to this pride. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So being able to harness that power from within and to instead of just succumbing to the setback it's just not being the victim isn't mm. it it's like i mean you know modern culture is oh i want compensation for yeah. this or oh, the council should pay for that somebody should do something about that it's just going oh, it's just a bit self-responsibility really but people are not really uh don't normally um take that attitude in well they do more nowadays because these things are coming to light but but with with things like illness i mean i know somebody who who was given uh, a death sentence by doctors basically who who said no mm-hmm. i could I, I stopped eating crap basically stopped eating sugar and all the rest of it and started eating whole foods and organic foods and everything and can't find a thing now well, how did you do it? She said, well, I, I to, I've told you how you've done it. Like, oh, no, that couldn't have worked. It must be some, you know. Not just that. It couldn't be just, it couldn't just be you doing it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And this next question will sound like I'm questioning what happened mm-hmm. uh, with regards to his headspace, his mindset, his mindfulness mm. uh, during that time when he was recuperating from the sacral nerve damage. And it really isn't. I don't mean it that way at mm. all. It's not a loaded question. So the prognosis was not correct. Not only does he walk again, he mm. becomes an absolute yeah. model of yeah. the... of a the physical super supremacy goodness, almost yeah. yeah and the the, the footage of him around uh, this time you know between 1969 when the event happened and his yeah. death in 1973 yeah. you know is just a, a, a as a, of a man in, in well, physical he was, he's, condition. He's a, he was the guy that everybody wanted to be. Absolutely. <laughs> I did as a kid. Yeah. The fact that he actually managed to get out of bed and walked again is in itself yeah. a miracle. How do you feel he coped with the pain issues? You know, there's been documented evidence that he, you know, enjoyed cannabis leaps. Well, he wouldn't was, smoke. That was very in the very last... last days and weeks oh really so that wasn't really. ongoing that wasn't an ongoing thing at all that right. was really just around the time of enter the dragon being filmed oh. and the and the, all the stresses around that by that time he was he'd done three and a half films already and um and he was burning the candle at both uh, ends he was and burning then the candle at this if it was more than two ends he would have been burning him at the, at the third end mm. as well you know he was losing weight and he did obviously had this in in this Thing that came to light this brain tissue issue as well mm. the the cere- cerebral um tissue mm. weakness um which nobody knew about at the time but he was certainly um you know he'd lost a lot of weight and one percent one percent body fat, body fat at, one time. at that point yeah and um also he was getting headaches which was related to the, the cerebral issues and um doing things like forgetting you know, saying the same thing to people three times in a, in a yes, conversation you, you and then that. getting, mm. yeah, and things like that. So there's obviously something starting to, one doesn't know whether there was an intrinsic problem that was beginning to surface more and make itself more apparent or whether the way he'd been at this point, I would say, overworking, uh, 
was was exacerbating it you see mm-hmm. i've often used the expression and i'll use it again now that when people say what caused bruce lee's death i said well no there is no one thing if you've ever seen the the movie a perfect storm it's like when you get three severe weather fronts all coinciding in the same place and then a hundred foot rogue wave appears and George Clooney goes down mm-hmm. you you um I think it was uh, was the combination of the intrin- as an intrinsic weakness in his cerebral tissue there was the overwork there was the massive amounts of stress that he put himself under there was the pain from the from the injury that had never really gone away there were uh, um, considerate that the money thing had still not been completely resolved i mean he made seven thousand five hundred dollars from his first two films and don't know how much he made from the third one i don't know um i don't think enter the dragon was going to be a massive payday i think his his future was about to start with Enter the dragon all of those offers he'd had offers for, in. he'd had offers for he'd been offered Warner Brothers offered him $100,000 per film per year. Well, $100,000 per year for life or per film per year for life. Sophia Loren's husband, the producer Carlo Ponti, just wrote a check for $2 million and said, that's your for your next movie. And $2 million was a lot of money in those days. It's certainly (laughs) certainly still a lot of money now. It is, but it's... Even more so then, genuinely. It would be genuinely like, what, 50 million? I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mega. Mega, mega money. He was earning peanuts. He was, yeah, he was, no, he was poised to be the biggest star in the world. He was the biggest star in the world and was poised, you know, him him and Muhammad Ali were the two most recognised... faces on the planet in many ways they still are the they fact that they are. still are referenced i guess yeah absolute one-offs will there be another no. bruce lee no will no. there be another no well there won't be Ali, no. i mean you get people on youtube that can you know they're five-year-old kids playing look at thir- what I'm doing. 38 mm. string guitars playing voodoo child got anything Wow, that's amazing. But there, there won't be another Jimi Hendrix because the whole point is he did it first. So there are a lot of people that can kind of get near it now, mm. you know, that can. But the whole thing is doing it first. Being an innovator rather than somebody who yeah. follows yeah. Is, yeah. is a whole different. Well, once somebody's fish. made the rook plowed the furrow, mm. it's a lot easier, you know. And just looking at the career trajectory. Trajectory of the people that feature in uh, the legacy chapter of Fighting Spirit, your first book mm, yeah. on Bruce Lee, you know, illustrates what could have happened. Looking at Jackie Chan's career, yeah. looking at the films from the early noughties, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon, you can easily see where Bruce Lee and his film career could have gone. Yeah, and the idea that he would have just stayed in the martial arts realm is as i say in beyond the limits i say the what the what if questions will never be answered there Mm. are millions i would assume he'd have he would have wanted to direct at some point Mm. or or, uh, he may even have wanted to he's the kind of guy that could have got into politics or anything you know he's he's time magazine i think it was time or newsweek time um named as one of the 40 most 
most influential Asians of the modern era, responsible for bringing China into the modern world and things like that. So he's, it's not just, uh, you know, his, his pictures on stamps and things. And, mm. and uh, it's kind of like he's crossed over crossed over now. I think he would have found that particular tribute to be quite amusing, really, because Bruce Lee was a quarter German, a Eurasian, and and experienced some racism and rejection on that front, even with regards to being able to undertake training from... Is it Yip Man who was a bit dismissive of his... Yip Man's student asked asked him to... uh, Get rid of Bruce Lee because his mother was half German, mm. which is somewhat ironic to say the least. Absolutely, uh, yeah. for a man who then would you know, yeah. eventually be considered the most yeah. influential yeah. Asian man. Yeah, but it just also shows that the you know the prejudice works both ways. It always Certainly. does. Certainly, stereotypes, you know, and so forth. Uh, he was rejected from um, his idea for the Warrior Program, the Kung Fu thing. Was rejected because he said he was too Chinese. They wanted a Eurasian and somebody who could dance, which they, they got David Carradine because he looks a wee bit Chinese. And but he, he was no a dancer. Oriental blood no, at all. But Bruce Lee was Eurasian. Indeed. That's the, the, that's the, the real thing. article. He really was. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he could, and he was, he was also the Hong Kong. Uh, Crown Colonies Cha-Cha champion of 1957. Of so he's an d- accomplished dancer as well. Because <laughs> really, I mean, you can't... I mean, there's very little difference between martial arts footwork and dance moves, you know, in, in terms of mind-body coordination. Certainly. Photos of him during his Cha-Cha days are absolutely yeah. incredible. I yeah. knew about his looks credentials like, as a child film star, yeah. but not as a Cha-Cha dancer. Yeah, he looks like Clark Kent, you know, Fantastic. with his, yeah, his little glasses and his hair cut <laughs> and his, you know, his pullover. It is Clark Kent before becoming Superman yeah, in Enter the is. Dragon and uh, all those films. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. In... A number of documentaries that I've seen, even the one that you appeared in on Sky Arts, Too Young to Die? Too Young to Die, yeah. I've done a few of that one, yeah. He is described at the time that he returned to his birth country. He was born in San Francisco, although he grew up in Hong Hong Kong. Kong. They make reference to the fact that he couldn't speak English when he arrived in Seattle Mm. at the age of... 18? 18 or 19. 18, 19, yeah. Um, Presumably this wasn't the case at the schools that he went to in Hong Kong, and he went to many because I know that as a student he he had issues with authority and issues with teachers and moved from one school to another. But he was a a product of of a European-style education, Catholic education. And weirdly, in the same part of the documentary in which somebody mentioned that he had to learn how to speak English, I'm fairly certain they showed one of his school reports, which Mm. appeared to be in... English. Mm. So I, I presume that English would have been taught at school, Hong Kong being a British colony yeah. at that time. Yeah. He may have had accented English, which he did. Yeah. Did you know, I, I don't honestly know whether English language was, was his, one of his formal lessons at uh, high school. Um, they were Catholic brothers, and the mm. brother Henry and brother, you know, it was St. Francis Xavier mm. College and things. So, he, and it was... Um, I think his mother arranged his education, so I'm guessing it's a it's a west. It was definitely a Western style education, mm. so I I guess there must have been some 
some English involved. I think it's quite a romantic notion to yeah. have him described as somebody who couldn't speak a word of English suddenly no, dumped in no, Seattle. I, he wouldn't. Have, he he went he went straight to um, Seattle and started work as a waiter mm. and teaching and teaching people on 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 yeah unforeseen yeah. Uh, he thought he was going to be a house guest. That's horrible. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. And the next thing you know, he's yeah. well, he becomes a waiter. Gets... Well, he was sent to he was sent to Seattle by his parents because of his high spirits were getting him into trouble. In, <laughs> a lot of trouble. Into Hong Kong. So they sent him off to friend, family friends, the Chows, mm. in Seattle, who ran a, um, a Chinese restaurant. And Ruby Chow was pretty much the kind of godfather-type, you know, figure of... Uh, of um for the you know new chinese immigrants and things she helped them assimilate and get jobs and stuff so she gave him a room and a job but he thought he'd gone there as a house guest so he was a bit a bit disgruntled when he I found out I can't blame him and judging no. from her quotes in fighting spirit your first book on yeah, bruce lee I, yeah. a, a bit of um a judgmental character, to say the least, and one of the few people who doesn't really speak very highly of Bruce. Well, he was very... He, he was, um, as she said, you're supposed to use martial arts to defend people, not to be aggressive. Mm. He used them to be aggressive. I think he didn't like people clicking their fingers and saying boy or, boy. or, or, mm. or, or all that kind of stuff. And, and um, Plus, uh, he was probably pretty kind of, you know, coach just being sent half a world away it was something to have to deal with in his room and um and the homesickness and the, and the resentment of the lowly paid job mm. and uh, and just like having to you know struggling with the language probably a bit and i mean he you know he used to listen to the radio a lot and just imitate the djs just to learn how to speak American English and and he practiced his handwriting a lot and as you know he had extremely oh, I wish elegant I had handwriting ha- like that handwriting Lovely. so yeah um, but uh, all that built up of course to into the other crisis in his life which happened when he was about twenty which was the psychotic episode he had in his in his room fighting with the fighting shadow. with a black shadow mm. as he called yeah which. I go into in the book in some depth because um, if you take the uh, Jungian psychological kind of interpretation of it as being valid, I think I think that's probably the most valid interpretation of what happened, that he was once again, like all martial artists at a certain point in their career, <laughs> uh, brought face to face with themselves. So what this shadow was or this thing that was attacking him was really kind of a projection of himself taken as coming from outside but really happening inside if you like and it's not an unknown it's that is not unknown to um to uh, other people i know and to me that at a certain point when you've mobilized if you kind of train really intensively and start really stirring up uh psychic energy mm or internal energy however you look at it it starts it's you become almost like a self-initiated shaman you start stirring up these energies that then confront you so you have to kind of confront yourself at a deeper psychic level if you like in order to progress Jung talks about people 
entering into the unconscious saying that it's like going to war or going to the it's the biggest thing a person can do is to mm. go into the depths of their unconscious deal with it integrate it and emerge whole you know i even think maybe something like the story of jonah and the whales a kind of symbolic representation of a similar kind of process Certainly. you know no, it's not it's not literal it's that. not literal it's all those trials at a certain point, it feels like there's something out to do you in. And I've I've had that experience, and I know Derek Jones did, and, and my friend Steve Jones, no relation, a senior student, and myself, I've had experiences where you confront what you would call astral entities. Astral entities, yeah. right. Just things that have been loosened up from your own psyche. I mean, mm. they're only aspects of yourself that you see because there's only one mind after all mm. and this is what this is the lesson it's if you become um if you identify with your ego and your personality then of course they can attack you and overwhelm you or threaten you because your ego will never deal with them if you think i'm bigger than that i am everything you know i potentially i am ev- everything that i see and perceive and is just me is my mind so talking about universal energy it's just another aspect of me then you, then it's it can't threaten you because it's you you mm. you so i think that's the the lesson for for the shaman or the martial artist or or van gogh or whoever is to realize that you're not under threat realize it's it's you and then once you've realized that that energy becomes available to be used positively, as I say in the book, Bruce, after the the, the uh, shadow incident, Bruce Lee became highly, highly positively motivated. That's when he went back to to uni to school, high school, and then to university and studied English and studied leadership and philosophy, playwriting, philosophy, mm. everything. That's when uh, that's when he stopped rebelling and and being frustrated and became extremely self-directed used to read self-help books like uh, um, power of positive thinking and as a man thinketh which were the go-to texts in those days mm-hmm. you know i dare say um you know in a way beyond the limits is the kind of i've written it almost as the self-help book that bruce lee might have written or the book that I wished I'd read 30 years ago, and which would have helped me a lot. In Beyond the Limits, there's a great double act, for want of a much better phrase, in which you quote directly from <clears throat> Bruce Lee's teachings, be it mm. from old essays he wrote mm. at university, or from other books that he had yeah, um, published. Or, or conversations. And or... they're there in their own right. Yeah. And then you will give your own take on it in terms of how you've been able to... Ground it. Yeah. yeah. And in many occasions, actually, you do it in quite a humorous way. I remember you yeah. quoting Bono Vox, which isn't something that's going to feature in a lot of books. Yeah. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Bruce, uh, and Bruce Lee it. says, if there's if there's anything to be found, it's not found by seeking. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> you know, still Bono, found what Bono, I'm looking I for. just got Bono and Bruce Lee speaking to each other. <laughs> and there's the quote, yeah. it's an absolutely brilliant read, and it's affected how I've approached things in my personal life. Uh, genuinely for the better without myself realising it and I read your two books on Bruce Lee in reverse 
chronological order, just yeah, yeah. by a pure twist of fate. Yeah. So Bruce Lee's Beyond the Limits, which we're just talking about now, yeah. that came out only in what, late 2016. That's right, yeah. Fighting Spirit, your first yeah. book on Bruce yeah. Lee. Um, I read the most recent edition, yeah. but you'd started this when? It was started uh, oh, 20 years ago. 20 but years it's ago. It's been updated. And, and this uh, and update is what, the, the, in the, the last 10 years yeah, or so? Yeah, that was updated a few years ago, yeah. Oh, right, so it's a more recent update, yeah. right. Well, as I say, I thought I'd covered the philosoph- philosophical or the inner aspect in Fighting Spirit until mm. 20 years later I realised it actually went a lot deeper. I mean, all these things go, go as deep as you can go. If I could follow Bruce Lee in to his, you know, his inner dynamic um, to a degree, but... It's not dependent on necessarily on martial art practice at this point. He intended, when he founded what he called Jeet Kune Do, I mean, um, not to be a formal martial arts style, but be to, to be an overall approach, to be mm. a, a way. It's a, I think it's a genuine way. I think it actually reflects the nature of, of, what, of the Tao itself. I think it's just a modern form of Taoism. And uh, whereas you could quote Lao Tzu or or various of the old old philosophers philosophers, you can quote Bruce Lee because he just kind of says things in a modern context. Beyond the limits is very much his words interpreted. It's not my philosophy; it's my understanding of it, or my personal processing of it, or as you say, you can apply it and ground it. I try and I just try and ground it in 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 my own experiences. All the extrapolations are originally from his ideas. His he sets the the tone, and then I try and say well what exactly does he mean by this in a in a, a practical and grounded way and what could have been a, a very very heavy read and it, it is a heavy read this isn't you know it, no it's, it's, it's serious but it's, it's not a burdensome no hope. not yeah. at all and yeah I, I got through it very very quickly because i was inspired to yeah. i didn't want to put it down which is the ultimate sign of a yeah. of a good book and i i I don't do this often when I read. I, I make notes. It, yeah. yeah, I've made notes That's and I've referenced it. That's always a good it. sign. Yeah, I'm not referring to anything involving uh, combat or no, martial no, arts. No, no, just my day-to-day dealings sure. with with people and things. But as I say, say in the book, while you're dealing with somebody, you know, as Monty Python said, coming at you with a rotten fruit or a big pointed stick, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in martial art, somebody who tried to attack you, uh, the same thing is at work if you've got um not you know neighbors uh, noisy neighbors or a or a boss you know mm. that's uh, that's being overbearing or something they're creating the same stresses and the same the same reaction to to fight back or to succumb and all that so you still you're still dealing with those sort of uh, friend of mine uh, well Steve Jones who was the not the Steve not, Jones from Sex Pistols no Steve okay. Jones the the uh, who was um no relation to Derek, but just happened to share the same name, became his senior student now. He wrote a very good book called The Intelligent Warrior, and I'm very happy to give it the plug because he deals with several... um, He basically deals... explains how one takes that... um, mindset of the warrior or the martial arts into everyday situations. And uh, he does kind of, you know, he has... He does workshops or has individual, you know, pupils. Mm. He's like a life coach type. 
thing, you know, that, that he can take his martial arts experience and give them to people, you know, I mean, he's got, you know, a couple of celebrities and people that he works with and things that kind of like he's the found idea. quite a nice niche. He's found a niche for himself, yeah. And, and understandably, a, this At the same works. time, it's, 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 it's not... It's it's you know it's it's not just a self indulgence. It's a genuinely no. good. It's genuinely worthwhile. Mm. Bruce Lee fighting spirit, to my eyes, you know, is about the man and about it's, all the things that shaped him. Yeah. And Bruce Lee Beyond the Limits, your second book, is about. His his teachings and his philosophies yeah. and how you can implement those in in your lives, even if you're not a martial artist. Yeah, through the filter of Bruce Thomas, yeah. I gained a better understanding of Bruce Lee. Well, that's pretty much the idea. In terms of the timeline and our discussions about Bruce, mm. we're at the stage where he has emerged from his fighting with his with the dark shadow yeah well but yeah i'd like yeah. to go back We've and back discover that, yeah. not your own fight with your shadow and we'll come yeah. back to that but <laughs> how you came to i was afraid <laughs> yeah. i was afraid of that. <laughs> <laughs> how you came to become so passionate about bruce lee obviously right yeah through well, your was, training uh, with derek jones yeah well this was after the after i took took up um, training after the mugging with Derek and um, I was happily training away and, and, and then one one day Derek came round to my house with um, with a video which he gave me he basically just edited out all the fight scenes from all the Bruce Lee movies so there was none of the romantic stuff there was just the action <laughs> and and he talked me through the few of the the, the scenes saying I learnt because Derek trained with two of Bruce Lee's contemporaries, a guy called William Chung, mm. who taught Bruce Lee quite a lot. Uh, oh my word! Yeah, yes, William Chung was who Bruce Lee. Was, was, was yeah, was a senior student. Life. So that that was one, and, and and William Chung was so taken with Derek's natural ability, he made his him his assistant after only mm. knowing him for thirty minutes. So that's a good. The other guy was. Um, was called Victor Kahn, who who was also one of Bruce Lee's contemporaries. They, William Chung and Victor Kahn, diverged in their stylistic approach. Mm. There's a sort of two schools of Wing Chun, which was the original art that he did, um, called one called traditional, one called modified. They don't get onto. It's a bit Protestant and Catholic. Oh. There's slight. I say <laughs> it's better to do Wing Chun than no Wing Chun, and 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 you know, <laughs> you won't go wrong doing either of them really. Oh, it's better to have faith than no faith. Well, that kind of thing, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, um, Derek brought these um, these these this video around, talked me through it all and everything, and then. Uh, he said, I learnt more from this than I did from training with with anybody. I learnt more from watching it. But I think what probably this situation is, once he'd been trained by William Chung, and, and the, he could then recognise what Bruce Lee was doing. So I think I think there's a degree of that to, involved. But because, you know, I watched the Bruce Lee videos and I thought, well, this is, you know, it's like, I liken it to seeing George Best or Jimi Hendrix for the first time, mm. you know, another just people who 
basically no one's ever bettered really well you might make a case for Maradona I guess but um <laughs> good point <laughs> yeah, but um but you know what I mean it's, it's like no one's going to play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix again or no one's going to going to be Bruce Lee again they might be nearly as good you know because they've got something to follow but when I saw him I realized I was seeing something quite remarkable that I'd completely missed at the time because I was on tour with Elton John when Enter the Dragon came out you know supporting Elton John with my band so I didn't even know about Bruce Lee or Kung Fu or anything I watched the David Carradine stuff and then I'd gone off my group started doing well you know and I was away with the fairies you know damn your musical career yeah, and getting in the way career, getting in the way Bruce yeah Lee. I know and um the Green Hornet did you watch that as a as no, a young lad in the 60s no, no right I don't even think it came to England in the 60s I oh. think it was just America and then the Far East. I don't even right. think it was ever shown in Britain at the time. Um, so I watched these uh, watched these videos and I thought, wow, yeah. And then, you know, Derek was very, uh, as most people are once they know, it's the, it's the Bruce Lee's fight with Chuck Norris in um, Way of the Dragon. That's yes. the, 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 in, in the Colosseum that's mm. cited as possibly the technically the best... Uh, fight footage he ever put down and there's certainly a load of things in there you can learn about things like broken rhythm and all sorts of esoteric aspects of fighting um uh but once i'd seen the films i thought well how am i you know how am i going to um figure this out kind of thing how am i going to get into this guy because i know nothing so i thought well I'll read a book or two, and then I thought, well, this, you know, Alex Ben Block or Linda Lee and talking about, you know, he was killed by jealous assassins and or he was poisoned by the triads or this and that. I thought, well, I don't want to... Um, no, this isn't what we're looking at. We want to. We want the essence of the, the stuff, mm. you know. We want the real thing. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I thought, I'll write a book about Bruce Lee. As you do. As, I, as you as do. As one I does. I thought, I'm not, not because I know precisely because I know nothing about him so I'm not going to teach anybody anything all I'm going to do is teach myself and in the process I'll be like a perfect guinea pig because I'll be explaining to somebody who knows nothing so there we go so four years later I had fighting spirit and then I had and then I understood the trajectory of Bruce Lee's life but when I actually started it I literally got a roll of wallpaper and rolled it out on the floor and started doing a literal timeline of all the different anecdotes and interviews and ma- magazines and books I read to put everything into into context, into a timeline, and then gradually fleshed it out. Fortunately, I was doing quite a bit of session work in America at the time, in, mm. in San Francisco and L.A. and places, so I was able to go... And visit a lot, um, people like Taki Kimura his, and Bob Wall and people who he'd run schools with or done films with or 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 um, you know and talk to Ruby Chow and things like that. So I managed to get to them all, you know, and get um, get some good information from them as well. And these were people who remained friends. Well, in the case of Taki Kimura, his life was changed by oh, absolutely, Bruce Lee. Yeah. 
Uh, his brother died, his wife left him, and he was in a bad place. And, yeah, Bruce Lee, I mean, I put it in in the section of Beyond the Limit called mm. Problem Solving. Indeed. And Walk on. There aren't many problems bigger <laughs> than wanting to top yourself, really. Yeah, that's... Um, and, um, yeah, he, at the end of the day, it's, it's something you think, well... You know, all people all people can say to you is like pull yourself together or get a grip or it's not as bad as it seems. Or he Bruce Lee's expression was walk on. You've walk just got to put on. one foot in front of the mm. other. Walk on mindfully, even if you like, mm. just simply mm. physically putting one foot down in front of the other one just once you've lived a second longer kind of thing mm. and it's really you know my take on that is when when you know i've had my moments as well and and i know other people have had, i say well look i tell you what just give it to the end of the day wake up tomorrow and see what would have happened if you'd lasted another day don't think about living forever do you know i had i've got a Somebody I know who gets very depressed and she came lives near me and she said, what do I do with this timeless ocean? I'm faced with this timeless ocean. I said, well, you take the next breath. It's the same for everybody. If Keep you think walking you, on. If you think you've got to live an endless length of time and you're doomed, you know, and it's, yeah. It's, it's just a slight change of emphasis sometimes, isn't it? And, uh, you know... Certainly, it, it, it's so. It all sounds like platitudes when you, when people say it to you when you you know. But it's another you, one you actually employ it. And but if you just make trust one it. move, you mm. know, it's just if you just make the first move. If you just say, as the guy I just did an interview with on a similar topic, and and he was telling me about I inadvertently dropped him in it and, and told the listening audience about his anxiety attacks he'd told me about while a, while a record was being played. But, Ooh, and, uh, naughty, but, uh, dirty but laundry. He, but he said, you know, he, he answered it for himself. He said you can spend 10 hours worrying or 10 hours learning to play the guitar. You know, it's the same amount of energy. And Certainly, you think, right, it is. If that's how you figured it out for yourself, mm. then good. You know, you've just... You've just, you've just basically said, oh, there it goes again, the faulty radio. Don't listen to it. Do something else. Or do nothing. You know, sitting in meditation is better than doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to terms with all aspects of yourself, even those parts which yeah. may not be your ideal, and well, that's coping the, with them. That's what, that's what Jung calls the shadow. Mm. It's the bits that you try and push, push away, that you don't recognise, you don't want, that, that, that they're not very attractive aspects of your personality, mm. all that. It all has to... I'm afraid at some point it's going to come out, even if you have to wait till you drop dead. Mm. You know, and I don't it all think the, you want that as your final. You don't really want that as your final. You don't, you'd, you'd, li you'd like to have. Um, you'd like to have made a few inroads before it happens. Really, mm. I think yeah, being aware of home truths again, for want of a much much better phrase, it, it makes you stronger. I think a lot of people do live in a state of denial, or where they sweep those particular issues they may have about themselves, shortcomings, or whatever they may be. But being being aware of them, confronting the, the shadow and accepting it, and instead of 
being depressed by it or embarrassed. But once again, of course, this is still ongoing. There's no... Oh, it doesn't... There's yeah, no, so you're not there's cured. No, you're not cured you know, of your shortcomings. Assume, <laughs> the, 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 the moment you say, well, that's that's, that's mm. that sorted, you, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Indeed. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. But if, if you've been wrestling with some major issues and you become aware of it, that is a major... That, that can mm. be a 180 degree turn in a in a, in a, a, a an improved direction but yeah it's it we, comes we back evolve, to yeah well it comes we back evolve. to comes back to me to to um don't freeze and don't flail Certainly. don't go at it like a bull in a china shop and don't clam up just mm. keep moving and keep your form you know the first person to lose a fight is the person who loses their shape what they call their form, you know. Soon as somebody goes, curls up or lashes out. But if you stay in your, if you keep your form, if you keep your shape, which is mentally, emotionally, and physically, mm. then then you will prevail. And you do the footwork, which is the walking on bit. <laughs> There's a lot. Walking on is a very powerful walk thing. Walk on, yeah, yeah. Walk on, walk I've, on I've, by. Yeah, I've had, um, <laughs> I've, I've known, uh, I've been in situations where I've actually said that to, to somebody, you know, and 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 it helped. It's helped. So just look, just for the rest of the day, just put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> don't be, don't get any more ambitious than that. In one part of Beyond the Limits, you <clears throat> describe how via Bruce Lee's teachings, you describe how. Issues that may be disagreeable in somebody else and quite off-putting. Yeah. Maybe a projection. Yeah. Of of yourself or things that you don't like in, in yourself. Yeah. yeah. How do you rationalise that when you're out and about in your day-to-day life and dealing with very, very challenging people who genuinely just might be assholes? In rough notes, you yeah. describe a certain manager of a label mate from yeah. the stiff days. Yeah. You Dave, know who I'm D- talking Dave about. Dave Robinson, yeah. yes. Yeah. Hello. So sorry to disturb you. It's your semi-friendly factoid checker here. For those not in the know, Dave Robinson is one of the founders of Stiff Records and for a time looked after the affairs of Graham Parker and the rumour. Enjoy the rest of the show. I was going to not mention his name. Well, I'm, I'll mention it to, to, to <laughs> simply because a few weeks ago, Dave Robinson offered to friend me on Facebook. I don't know if he's being ironic or if he's just like, mate. So he said he, he did a friend request and I said, sure. And he said, you know, then he got me said, how are you doing? Are you OK? I said, fine. How are you? He said, yeah, good. And then and I thought and then I, I said to somebody you know, before that, I said, Dave Robinson, our friend Derek Philpott, I said, Dave Robinson's just friended me. He said, well, he said, nah, tell him to off, you know. And I and I said, and then I said, and then he came back, he said, no, that's just knee-jerk. He said, it's too short. Yeah, just be friends with him. And I said, yeah, well, if he can take it as a, if he can take me, me calling him a gobshite in rough mm. notes, then what's, you know, it's not exactly, it's not exactly character assassination. Well, I mean, no, I've, said he's, I've said he's, you know, garrulous and opinionated and mm. blah, 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 you mm. know, but he is. And I'd say that about him now and I'll still be his friend, you know. 
Everything that one person can do, be there a Buddha or Hitler, you can do. As the film goes, the Anthony Hopkins film, you know, where they get where the plane goes down in the middle of the wilderness. Mm. What one man can do, any man can do. Uh, true. To whether that's Rasputin or, you know, Jeremy Beadle. I love the fact you mentioned Jeremy Beadle, but yes. Whatever, you know, I mean, just any Van Gogh, Beethoven, Fred West. (laughs) It's very rare that you can be hearing those particular people mentioned alongside each other. I like that. The shadow projection thing is, yeah, is that what we, on a general level, if somebody is irking us, it's, it's something that we haven't dealt with in ourselves. By the same token, once you know, once you've accepted all those aspects of yourself, then somebody who's being an arsehole can't get to you. If you see what I mean, because once you know yourself, you realise that it's a a projection and you realise that it's their their thing as well. (laughs) So it can't... You see, you withdraw the projection and Mm. it can't get to you. Anybody that can affect how you feel about yourself makes you their prisoner. And you just simply stop being the prisoner of anybody. So I refuse to get hot under the collar about politicians, for instance. I have my own opinions on certain things, but I'm not going to let anybody spoil the, my trajectory. Especially somebody I've never met personally. And, and there are all sorts of machinations going on all over the place that we that we never we never get the true picture of anything anyway these days i mean the news isn't the news and 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 nobody's doing what they're doing because for the reasons they say there's always so let them get on with it absolutely we certainly do receive uh, information newspeak to yeah. use uh, an Orwellianism. Uh, see, at in... the end of the day you know uh, uh, we get to we get into serious stuff here because at the end I talk about going through this process as being a gateway to immortality even that once you've dealt with once you've dealt with this self-exploration there's something in you that can get out of life alive there's that you've actually embodied enough of a of a living force if you like mm. a soul or whatever you call it that will get out of I don't believe that we're just automatically given of the eternal soul or spirit i think as uh, monty python's meaning of life says you've got to work you know you've got to work on it <laughs> there's, there's a chapter in there about the you know you've been working on the meaning of life yes well we're not all born with a soul it's something we have to work on and people are not wearing enough hats you know if you remember that, that i certainly bit. do yeah. <laughs> that's going in another book but the, but they you know i think when you look at the picture of Bruce Lee that's on the cover of that book, which was taken a matter of about three weeks before he died, mm. that's not a person who's failing or in decline or decay. That's somebody who's vibrant and full of life, full of spirit. The body packed up, but you can see that there's some spark there that surely... On the topic of the afterlife, uh, Bruce Lee set up a scene where... Uh, an expert was asked by his student, yeah. what happens after we die? And the the expert teacher 
chopped his head off. Yeah. Because that's the only way that you can find yeah. out. Yeah. When you talk about the afterlife, mm. and we're talking about coming into awareness, we're also, as Bruce Lee says, there are two, t- two different types of time. Mm. There's the time of the ordinary everyday life personality you know morning noon after appointments dinner doing this doing that there's the timeless world the internal world is actually all times contained in the we're getting into theoretical physics Mm. you see with this stuff because bruce lee was fond of quoting quantum physicists and um and that's my current area of um of interest um but it's the like the woman who was going on about the endless oceans of time. The afterlife or et- eternity isn't endless oceans of time. It's just now. It's permanent nowness. There's no endless ocean. It's just now. And it's now. And it's now. It's like a, a, a kind of like meditation. It's now. And it's now. And it's now again. And now. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> All that I've just said is in the past, and what I'm going to say in a minute is in the future, but it's not. It's all now. It's all now. We're all we are now. in the now. We're now. all now. It's and what's about now. to be said is the future. Mm. And also the notion of time and how we approach it is in itself quite interesting. At its most banal and basic level, I equate it to the nine minutes or ten minutes on the snooze function of your Mm. alarm clock. Mm. And I'm not trying to go down the route of Mm. an observational comic here, Mm. but sometimes it feels as though you can sleep for two hours in that time. Yeah. It it seems as though hours has passed, and you look at your clock and it's only eight minutes as elapsed. There's no universal clock. There's no... Time does not proceed at the same rate everywhere in the universe. And it is all relative, and depending on your speed, for as you know, mm. you can speed time. I, I'm reading about if we we the further we get to the near closer we get to the speed of light, the more time we consume, as it were. But there must be if we become light, we just become time. <laughs> Which we become time. <laughs> it's it's like well. All this, it's like there is, there is isness. This is the, all right, here's Taoism for you, the void. The void is isness. Everything exists there, but it's not everything like a huge Amazon warehouse. It's everything in potential as a possibility. Every, it's everything, but it's no thing in particular. Mm. It could become something, it could become anything, if it goes out into time and space. This is what the Taoists call the void and the 10,000 things. It can become 10,000 things. Actually, it can become 10 trillion trillion things, really, I guess. But it can become any object, process, tree that turns into a guitar that or a you know bit of metal ore that turns into a car that goes back to rust goes into the ground and it all goes on all the everything's come out the ground anyway and it'll Mm. all go back but all these processes and then at some uh, then at some point something in your mind it recognizes this and puts it all back together again. So what I say in the book is that Bruce Lee says that knowledge is knowing how everything, you know, knowing all this, understanding is actually putting it back together and seeing it all comes from the same place. So that it's everything in potential, nothing in particular, but in between it 
the void being absolutely everything and absolutely nothing, it becomes something and anything as time and space extrapolates out, but then it all goes back to isness. Isness. Isness now. Isness. And people say, you say, all right, well, what happened before that? What happened before the Big Bang? You know, what's this? Well, there can't be a before the Big Bang because the isness that, ex if you wanted to use the, physic the physics explanation, mm. when the Big Bang occurs, it creates time and space. But there is no time or space before it. For it, for it, there's no like. True. How long did it? How? Where do you start counting from before the Big Bang? There was so, but there was no time to count until time started. So, so is, there's, there's just sort of isness in potential. It's what the David Bohm, the physicist, calls the implicate order. Everything, implicate order. Everything's implied. Everything's there, implied. It's just implied. It doesn't exist, if you like. It's a potential. Then it manifests as the explicate order, which is the everything that manifests. And then it all... I think when, they, when physicists find the grand unified field, they've got it down to four at the moment, but uh, all the traditional philosophies just say there's call it one field, really. There's just one timeless field, which then manifests into all the electromagnetic processes and, you know... Great British Bake Off and it's, oh, it's you know. all linked up. Certainly <laughs> oh, is. That is light and energy. There isn't to millions. There isn't anything that you know you can exclude. Same as there's no there's no human being that isn't part of you, another aspect of yourself. Uh, we are all related. Absolutely. The thing is now, if you start getting deeply into time philosophy, if you start saying mm. saying, oh, I've got to, you know past lives, future lives. Well, of course, they're not past or future because they're all concurrent, because everything is now. We're, we're experiencing time through our senses as being sequential, mm. but really, at a higher level of intuition, we know all time exists concurrently. So not only do my future lives and past lives run concurrently, all my other lives do might even be other lives running concurrently now. In fact, you might be another incarnation of me, and I might be another incarnation of you, and we just haven't recognised ourselves yet as being the same being, which is the Hindu philosophy. Mm. You know, that we're all pearls that reflect each other, and that really there's only one being manifesting itself in myriad forms in order to forget itself to gain experience and then return with the experience of the journey if you like um and then who knows maybe explode again and go through it all again as a, a, a or what these Beginning are with light and these then ending are, as light these are all the these are all the perennial questions of philosophy at the end of the day the meaning of the universe is written on a piece of paper in a safe. But the trouble is, the key's locked in the safe as well. Anything that can be described is not the way. Anything that can be written, said, whatever, is not the Tao. That's, that's, the, that's the teaching, the Taoist thing. Anything, so as Bruce Lee said, we'll get back to him. Bruce Lee said to him, 
Don't mistake my finger pointing at the moon. Otherwise, you will see only the finger and miss all the heavenly glory. So we mm. talk about quantum physics. We can talk about theoretical theoretical physics. We can talk about Jungian psychology. We can talk about um, myth. We can talk about all sorts. But all these are just fingers pointing. They're not. They're not the thing. They're not. The th they're not the thing itself. And and the and the description will never give you the experience. The menu will never tell you what the meal tastes like. The map will not do the journey for you. It's. I mean, you know, how many cliches do you want in one program? <laughs> Love the cliches. And we, the fact of the matter is, we did mention <coughs> Bake Off as well. So that, oh, that's a right. thing of beauty. Yeah. In terms of time from a practical level, mm. Bruce Lee, in his work on film, um, mm. really made people aware of of frame rates yeah. and the, yeah. the milliseconds that uh, occur between movements. And yeah. uh, the fact that... They had to adjust the camera speed, adjust to, the camera speed. to incorporate his movements because some of them, he would a punch would go out within one frame. And uh, so they had to actually speed the film. And normally they speed film up. You know, to make fights look exciting, they had to slow him down so you could see what he was doing. I mean, my Derek could um, William Chung as well. He Derek could land, could hit you with seven different blows in a second, and I'm not talking about ba 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 like a like a punch ball, mm. all the same thing. He could hit you in seven different parts of the body in a second. Apart from the fact that that is impressive from a martial arts point is, of view, yeah. in terms of how it utilises time efficiently, is tremendous. Well, it's mind-blowing. It's even. kind of, it's interesting. I think I've got a theory that, um, well, not a theory, an experience that there's a lot of parallels between martial arts and music. And mm. a musician, for instance, when he's improvising, you get into micro-timing. Mm. That's what a groove is. You know, the tempo is the strict, strict tempo. What happens between the, the beats? The metronome. Yeah, mm. but it's how you it's how you divide them mm. up. It's how you lean on them. It's how you anticipate them. You play behind the beat. You play in front of the beat. You you, you make a bass walk. You make it, you know, jog, mm. hop, hobble. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, Derek used to say that he said, you know, when you throw a punch, that isn't it. Said there's at least a hundred, hundred places in a punch where you can interrupt it and turn it into a a different strike or withdraw it or deflect it or anything. All these things, it's not boom one. It's like you know, like like anti-lock brakes working. Re you know, just going. It's like interrupt, interrupt, interrupt. So. And yet the the flows there, but also the capacity to to adapt and change i hate to have to revisit dark times but in we were talking about the perfect storm that led to yeah. a bruce lee's premature death yeah i understand that derek jones is no longer with oh, us no, he, died, ask... he died at 32 oh. 34 um but, yeah but... it's very similar in fact <laughs> in fact derek died on bruce lee's birthday really yeah oh yeah, I was in America. It was Thanksgiving Day. It was Bruce Lee's birthday, and I got the phone call that Derek had died. So, yeah, he got um, he got 
uh, car pulled out in front of his motorbike as he was leaving soon he went sailing through the air that was that oh my word but um yeah yeah but uh yeah there is a, a couple of funny parallels there especially with it being the you know especially with the day in question obviously that's it's coincidental, but to a yeah, freakish extent. Yeah, I know it's extent. another one of those uh, mm. Twilight Zone moments, isn't it? Like the, it, the you know, like the guy who disappeared. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's quite, but, quite um, a freaky. But thing uh, to think well, about. Well, you know, as 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 uh, as as somebody said, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. So that's. Uh, be grateful for the time that yeah. you were exposed yeah. to that. I mean, light. I got, I got a, I got a feeling that, um, you know, in a way, they both of them, Bruce Lee, kind of done what he'd come to do in a way. Well, I know he could have done many, many, many more things, but, but in a sense, it's, it's not a matter of die young, have a good-looking corpse, but it's a matter of preserve. You know, never leave quit while you're on top almost <laughs> i don't it's like their legacies you know derek's legacy is the same he, he i got a feeling that he not not to do what not to do what they done necessarily for us or for the world or for the movie industry or for martial arts or anything what they'd done come to do for themselves you know I got the feeling that it, Derek was a wild, wild child. He was a, a you know, a bit of a tearaway. He liked Bruce Lee from Wales. You know, he he worked in the kitchens at Claridge's, and there was a chef that was bullying, bullying some of the younger waiters. Similar story to Bruce. He got hold of the guy's head and stuck it in the deep fat fryer. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> which would Battered. make a fantastic scene from the big boss where the guy gets a sword through his head. I don't think he, he deep fried his head, but I think he gave him enough of a, mm. you know, enough of a wake up call, <laughs> shall we say. You that, shan't be doing that, that to me he anymore. Might, he might have had a slightly parboiled <laughs> nose end or something. But, um, but uh, from that, he, he got to the point where he, he, he understood his art and then he understood energy and he under and then he became you know he became a wise and lovely man i mean he you know i was i think i was once uh, once you know flicking some change in my hand he said don't do that it wastes energy you know and i thought well, that's a long way from sticking people's heads in a deep fat fryer so <laughs> he'd come full circle yeah he i think i think he'd come and you know i mean I don't know how much I really want to go into this because these days, what with YouTube and everything, things have a habit of coming on back to bite you. But I do have very lucid dreams involving them both. So, which is keeping them alive? Well, it's. I don't think I'm keeping them alive. I think it's the other way round. It's <laughs> energy. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Although they're not physically with us. No. Bruce Lee is omnipresent. He's on postage well, it, stamps. It, it, He's referenced all the time. And we're chatting about Derek Jones here. Yeah, and yeah. and if they're keeping you alive, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. I think in in to a certain. I mean, I do. I have. Um, I I do. I do sticking hands. You know, I have sticking hands dreams where I'm training, mm. and you know. <laughs> so. 
So it doesn't all all necessarily all go on on a physical level at certain points. Lord knows what you know what happens uh, to people that live in caves for five years and, and things like that. You know, uh, well they start when they really put mm. or never mind a sen- you know never mind an hour in a sensory deprivation tank or or something like that when they really 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 kind of challenge you know go in go in and and have a look round we don't know you see no. we can only speculate you can only do it i mean there's a, there's that guy in in um i think it's in india the the guy called buddha boy who has who's sat there for year, for about 5 years now and has never been seen to take food or drink and of course you get all these people oh well he's got a secret tube at his elbow and he's got this and you no you're not getting it you know this guy's doing something and he's doing well if he's doing it by other means or not, i don't know what because you know you don't you don't know what he's doing that's the point your your knowledge is pitifully inadequate to explain this and the only way you'll find out is by doing what he's doing and he's obviously had to work very hard or he's a different sort of person that's had maybe who knows you know preparation in previous lives to get him to that level i don't know i don't know how it's uh, yeah the, the where 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 one speculates. You, you see, with this all this past life thing, for instance, it can be literally true that we have been past entities, or it can be symbolically true. It can just be a you know a, a past life can just be a a, a symbolical a symbolical representation of an aspect of yourself, like a dream is. You have a dream, and it represents something about yourself. All dreams dreams can be analysed and they'll tell you something about your unconscious life and maybe all this other stuff. You know, maybe there's only one person and I'm imagining the lot of you. <laughs> it's one... <laughs> it's, it's the long dream with a very convoluted plot Well, it, with many twists. There's many... There's probably... We've all had those dreams where we wake up but we're still in dream and then we wake up again and we think we're awake and then we eventually wake up i mean it's, i don't see that this might be a lot different it's proof that things are happening concurrently people dreaming things remembering things that happened in the past that means the past is reality it's once a sim- again it's a present symbol yes yeah in in one interpretation yeah. or the there's, or there's the other. not one simple single interpretation no, That's I think as the, soon as you figure that out, you realise that you yeah, haven't figured it out. As soon as you think that's it, it isn't. In that, yeah, it which, isn't. Which prevents you know, it from... It's like yeah. Bruce Lee so talks about awareness, and, and when you think I've got it, it's busy laughing at you, thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> when you met with your dark shadow, over what period... Uh, time uh, he did went. That he, he went solo. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go on, carry on. Um, are you referring to some imposters by no, any chance? No, no, no. I, I, I couldn't. Re- I couldn't resist that one. I couldn't resist it. You know, it's. It but there's a Bruce but, to no, mention. but here, here's a point. We've ignored the elephant in the room, haven't we? I mean, that, talk about shadow projection. Mm-hmm. What part? What part of each other did we? You know, did we? Uh, to t- to the point that we actually were good friends. 
you know, there wasn't a, a feud and there hasn't even really been a feud. It's just something, it's a bit like, you know, uh, Eric Markham and Des O'Connor. It's a sort of professional feud. I mean, I don't really have any obje- <laughs> objections to the guy really, but I've just kind of made a sort of, I've just made a good living out of being, <laughs> out of it. <laughs> Yeah. But but there were certain things about we there were certain things about each other that that really rankled us. But but that was because we were so similar. Absolutely, not because we were uh, not because we were diametrically opposed. It's because we were both treading on each other's toes to a degree. Well, I, I, mean, don't, I don't. People telling him that oh, his bass lines are great. Well, he's been very gracious and said the same himself recently. So, I have heard so, that. So um, I'm not going to gain say any more about oh, that. And, and that's not you what know, I'm... And by the same token, mm. to be fair, I mean, my bass lines can only be as good as the, the material that's presented to me. I mean, I can't go and turn a, you know, polish a turd, can I? I can't turn a silk purse into a sow's ear, or a sow's ear into a silk purse, rather. <laughs> True. <laughs> In, uh, you know, I mean, this, the material was there for me to work with. I mean, I've done, done other good bass parts, but the the best, my best work is on his songs. So, you know, let's be fair. There we are. I can't be any nicer than that in one day without having a getting a nosebleed. I mean, <laughs> it's it's all flowing. It is all yeah. flowing. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think <laughs> a never-ending river of bullshit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. was initially going to avoid the topic of you being on tour with Elvis Costello and the attractions and that that enabled you to be able to visit the various places that yeah. Bruce Lee lived yes, and was, did, was yeah. from. Yeah. But I was tempted to not go there because I thought I didn't want this to be oh, we to can... involve yeah, but that be spectacle. We man. can't. No, but we see we can't. If things come up, they have to. Absolutely. They have to flow in. Yes. You can't yeah. separate any of it out. You know, we've had Mary Berry. We might as well. Yeah, have, yeah. But um, um, I did. Yeah, I was very fortunate that. Um, well, that session work and touring allowed me to go to uh, many places that probably would never have gone to under my own steam. I mean, you know, going around California mainly, but Hong Kong and so on. Yeah. So for Bruce Lee, that would have been I've Oakland, had the fall to San Francisco, the... Bel Air. Yeah, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Hong Kong, pretty really, yeah. I mean, the one thing that I really enjoy about Fighting Spirit and how it differs from other accounts on Bruce Lee's life is... The Seattle years, mm. uh, uh, until I read your book, I mm. just assumed it was a horrible job, racism, nastiness. But yeah. it sounds mm. as though it's mm. the, the most wonderful times of his life. And yeah. he is permanently at Lakeview Cemetery in Seattle. Well, that's why... that was For good reason. That's why he wanted to be buried there. Because they were the happiest times of his life, you know. And somebody said to him, "What's the what's the best thing you've ever done?" He said, "Just get a few friends together and train." You know, That's... and you think, yeah, probably probably is better than you know lawyers and the Johnny Carson <laughs> show and all that stuff. Just it's like you know when people get get together and start a band and it's really good, you know, mm. and it's fantastic doing the first few tours and things and then it's and suddenly, then, then it's suddenly separate hotel rooms and all yes. different cars and all that. I don't you know. know what you're talking about I'm not about, talking Bruce. about no. me specifically I'm talking about the general 
You know, it's a spinal tap, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, the business it's, gets it's, in the Beatles, the way. It's the Beatles. It's every bloody band that ever existed mm. to a degree or another. You know, that's uh, just something that happens. There's this a beauty about uh, a world-class martial arts experts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was back on tour again. Goodness, it's... <laughs> world-class martial artists. Martial artists to martial amps to martial, martial arts. Amps. That's a my... world-class ma- martial amplifier sure. being used at full tilt uh, in a room with... No, I was, what I was going to Bruce say... Bruce Lee went up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Um, yeah. The um, as that's, a that's enough cross pollination. Yes, I like it. Just the idea of a of a, of a, a world class martial amp martial oh, artist, yeah. rather just in their training people who mm. are dedicated and want to learn, and, mm. and there's that great synergy. The thing I also love about. Uh, fighting spirit are the recollections of his students and the silliness that would happen that would also be educational yeah, yeah. They, they go to see a film yeah. and go to restaurants and go yeah. to restaurants or mm. he'd be walking in front of them throwing bits throwing of fruit them, in order yeah. to test them hence the monkey python come at me with a piece of fruit and that's just <laughs> Lovely. It's nice to yeah. know that there's a you know yeah, but there's a there's there's a method to the, to, to all Absolutely. that because it's just basically getting people suddenly something comes flying back at you, you you can't think oh what's that that's an orange oh what shall I do with it you know you something flies at you you catch it and mm. you go ah you know it's it's there are other brains apart from the intellectual brain there's the moving brain and the emotional brain they're all really almost worthy of being considered brains in their own right you know or minds because i say the mind occupy various minds occupy various different physical spaces but but um but ultimately they all occupy the same space and talking of of spaces and uh minds when i was a, a little kid mm. i wanted to be bruce lee and i'd forgotten about that part of me mm. to the point where I got some illegal nunchucks. Oh, right. I the amount of lumps yeah. that I yeah, put yeah. on my head, I basically yeah. kicked the living shit out of myself. Yeah. I also recreated the noises. I yeah. would jump off of beds and try yeah. to land in the way that he did in yeah. many a film and I was basically hurting myself. I wanted to be yeah. that almighty person that could sort out loads and loads of my yeah. demons and enemies all at once. I was an immature yeah. little kid. You, you, you wanted to get to the last chapter first. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. now, mm. reading about mm. Bruce Lee in Beyond the Limits and mm. Fighting Spirit, I want to be in his headspace. I want to adopt that. That's become my new yeah. inspiration. Well, what you want to do is be in your headspace then, yes. rather than his. Indeed. And then, and then, and then we're then we're a step closer, aren't I, we? I have to start and somewhere, then, but that's a very we, good And point. then we want to be in your mind and body space. Yes. And that and that's even you know when you when you get your feet connected to your head. And yes. Then you get Awareness. Your, and, and then you get the you know the air pressure in the room connected to your body and yes. the, and the, and, the <laughs> and so on and so on and yes. the, all the, the subtle all the subtle awareness cues which he could i i reckon in any given second you could make a list of at least 30,000 things you could be aware of in one second I agree. If we go in this if we were to take this room mm. we could make a list of 30,000 objects colors items textures temperature 
subtle movements, you know, all sorts of emotions, thoughts in one second. You'd get 30,000 at least. So you can't possibly, it's like when you walk, you can't go left foot, left leg up, foot forward, foot down, balance right leg up you can't Intending you can't do every this is what i do about the learn the learning process when you're learning to play piano learning the martial arts learning to drive a car it's very much let your foot up slowly you know put it in, let it turn or look in the mirror you've got to talk yourself through everything at a certain point this is what neuroplasticity is again you can overwrite the first things that you learn for instance you can learn to walk more elegantly or you can, oh, can you can I you can learn, you can walk faster as an exercise in awareness to remember you know like you'll brush your teeth with your left hand yes or, moving or, things around or you can learn to play a musical instrument more expressively or mm. you can um, or you can over so you can overwrite and refine things you've learnt and um, I think that's kind of at the point where you get when you've lived a certain number of years you you can learn new things but you can also as you say learn to reinterpret who you are and what you've got by overwriting the system you've been the you know operating system you've been working on so far you can either put a new operating system in or you can upgrade it to andy 10 mm. you know version which is really what i'm talking about and beyond the limits it's going beyond the the limits that one has settled for or become and then being that he is, isn't being busy being born is busy dying syndrome you you must continue to learn new things and challenge your ideas and and uh beliefs about yourself in or you know or non-beliefs about yourself or whatever it's just don't get stuck keep it moving yeah hopefully keep, keep it walking on yes keep, keep it moving in a in a not an upward or an inward direction or a you know a fuller direction or whatever uh or a simpler direction but it might be less it might be you know <laughs> you know a friend of mine who does he does gigs in in uh i don't know if this is relevant just came to my mind he does gigs in care homes you know, for the old people, oh, and yes. he does sing. I know sing, the person that you're talking about. He does sing along, yeah, sing, sing alongs. You know, underneath the arches and things. And he said, <laughs> he was he met a there was a guy at one of them who walked round and he just said one thing and he said, "I wish I knew just a little bit more or a little bit less than I do now." I wish I knew just a little bit more, etc. And I said, "Perfect." I said because if he knew a bit less, he would he would have no thoughts and he'd be fine. True. And if he knew a bit more, he'd have something else to talk about. <laughs> and I thought, "There's a guy who knows he's stuck, and he just doesn't know how to th how to think." to know any more or know any less than he does and he's just stuck with what he is and I thought bless him it's almost like and that's what I say that's why I think he's wiser than Bono because he's he, he's kind of it's like the truth that you're looking for is only the truth that's looking 
Yes. If you're looking, whatever it is, you're, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Good. I hope you never do, because I hope you still keep looking. Because as long as you're looking, you're alive. If you think you've got it, when you come to a conclusion, what is the conclusion? Yeah. An, e- an end. There's Fuck a, getting a con- to the end. A conclusion, yeah. isn't it? You know. <laughs> keep passing the open keep, window. Keep, keep looking, mate, you know. Yeah, searching, it's, it's good. It's like, but don't look as if, don't keep looking as if there is something to get that will solve the whole thing. You know, just keep looking. Looking is being aware. Looking is taking notice. Looking, looking is fine. But looking for something, you know, that will do it. The one thing that will solve it all. The the, the holy grail. The grail is the The grail is the journey. Yes. Every journey begins with a single step, and ma- many steps need oh, to be enjoyed Monty afterwards. Monty Python have beaten us to all of this, yeah. haven't they? The mean, the Bastards. Holy How dare they? <laughs> uh, talking of, kind of, of, of timing and synchronicity, and in some mm. cases, um, tragedy, you mentioned in Fighting Spirit, possibly also in Beyond the Limits, that you were scheduled to interview Brandon Lee. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just... Just, just before... Days, that, days, yeah. Days, days before, before yeah. Yeah, the horrible tragedy happened on the, the set of, yeah, the, of, of the, the Crow. Yeah. And... Which was, which was strangely like one of the scenarios in Game of Death, the the film mm. that Bruce Lee didn't finish that was contrived to kill off his character in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's another, you know, people then obviously, you know, exploit it into tales of a family curse and all the rest of it. But it's just another, yet another synchronicity and synchronicities tend to happen around them. What are called meaningful coincidences, aren't they? They, they, they resonate because it's kind of, it's significant. Yeah. It, we don't it's a... always know why, but I mean, it's, mm. the, the, it's the nature of the thing is to go, make you go, Ooh, you know, but I suppose <laughs> it's an occupational hazard in the sense that moving away from martial arts, if you were to look at Jeff Buckley and his father, uh, I think yeah. uh, Jeff's father was 28. Yeah. Uh, Jeff yeah. was 30 when, when he died. If you're in the musical world, you're exposed to all sorts of things which make us vulnerable, which also make us, if you will, fair game for Fortuna being less than kind. Yeah. And working in the film industry, you're dealing with... Yeah pyrotechnics and pushing yourself to the limit. In this particular case, the film crew were pushed to the limit. There was a bad feeling Mm. on the film, though. It was one of those things. A lot of weird things happened. A lot of weird accidents were happening and Mm. things like that. It's got that feeling about it. It's one of those things. I don't like going too far into those because I don't even like attracting those forces by giving them too much airtime, if you know what I mean. I'm going to change the subject then. No, but do you, you, you know what I mean? I think <laughs> yeah. that, that is an area of exploration mm. and I've been into it and it and, and, and that sort of thing, you know, this, this, this is what they call asynchronicity, which has been in the wrong place at the wrong time, you mm. know, as well as being in the right place at the right time and, and so on. So there's always a shadow side to, the shadow side to synchronicity as well. So, um, but uh, I, um, I'm not shying away from it 
out of fear. It's just that I think, yeah. I'm there's, not, a, there's a room for exploration. You can and, go into that if you mm-hmm. want. You know, I've done it. I've been there. and it, and it But it's no way to live. I hate to ask a stock question, but what do you feel Bruce Lee would have done with his life yeah. had the perfect well, storm not occurred? Yeah, the what if, you see, the what if questions, as the, I say in the book, will mm, never go away. Mm. There's no doubt he would have made his $10 million in Easily, 10 years. many, many Easily, times many over. many times. That's, 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 that's beyond dispute. Um, whether he would have, how many films he would have made being the action star before he wanted to start directing or do, you know, story films or um, whether he would have become an eco-warrior, you know, because of his because Taoism's very nature-oriented, whether he would have been... Uh, you know, Time magazine made him one of the most influential Asians of his, you know, of the past, whatever it was, 40 years or something, mm. turning, instrumentally in turning China into a world player. And um, I don't know if he'd have gone into politics or or, or what. I mean, he wasn't, um, he wasn't somebody who was limited. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> you know, who wouldn't have limited himself to... He, he would have pushed... I'm sure he would have pushed on. He was exploring elementary sports science as it existed in those days. You know, he was what they do as a matter of course now in sports science he was looking into he was really you know blazing a trail there he was the first person to teach eastern martial arts to the west which broke with tradition and you know caused him problems he was the first person to teach women martial arts he was a you know, would have been the first. Well, has has posthumously become the biggest Chinese, you know, star in the world, and so undoubtedly. Forth. And I think he was probably the most innovative and influential martial artist since Bodhidharma took martial arts from India to China in the first place, and and in in popularizing them around the world. How else would I have? Um, you know, even even going via via the David Carradine route, that wouldn't have happened without Bruce Lee anyway. The Kung Fu series, so he brought it all to the, you know, all to the West. And um, I think uh, I don't think his star's dimming in any way. It's just burning brighter. I just think there's more there's more to find out about him. I just d- dug a bit deeper into what he had to say and interpreted it in the light of what I've learned from him and 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 um, Derek Jones and various people and uh, things I've done on, on my own. But, um, you know, I should imagine there's as much in there as you're willing to go and look for, mm. in a sense. Mm. Another search, another journey. Another search, and but no conclusions. Mm. I'm going to change the subject big time here, Good. and it'll be the last question that has, and also has absolutely nothing to do yeah. with Bruce Lee or martial arts, but a passion of yours from last year. Well, yeah. a passion that yeah. continues. We're going to be talking about cycling. All right. We're going to be talking about Bradley Wiggins. Okay. How yeah. do you feel? How do you feel, Bruce, about him joining the other celebrities who will be taking part on the show called The Jump? 
did you know that he's I did doing know this? that, but I don't really not familiar with the the format of it. It's just like an extreme athlete thing. Isn't yes, it? Yeah. and it's it's a weird show in that the ratings have never been great. Yeah, the injuries that celebrities and near celebrities yeah. have experienced have been life changing. Uh, the injuries. Yes. Yeah. People have. I mean, there's uh, been come incapacitated. Yes. Yeah. One person oh. still requires assistance oh. with their day to day activities, okay. and we're not in the same league as Big Brother by any stretch no, of the imagination. I, I, I got, I've seen. I think I've actually seen. See, they go all around the world doing these challenges, do they? Or is that uh, another this, show? Uh, I think it's a static location, and all they right. do Winter Olympics yeah. luge. Yeah. Style. Okay. Well, I th- to be honest, I thought when you started the question, you were going to ask me what I thought about Bradley Wiggins in the light of his close encounters with performance enhancing. Oh, uh, there is that as well. There's that, you know, the fact that he suddenly got asthma before the big races. <laughs> it's sort of borderline. It's basically borderline. It's legal. Mm. It's, he's He's pushed... He's pushed the limits, but hasn't gone beyond them. Um, and I think it rankles with Chris Froome, who possibly is making it. You know, I don't know. I mean, Bradley Wiggins is the, he's the hero at the end of Rough Notes, so I'm not going to say anything. He's a rock and roll cyclist. Uh, and, and, um, and a Who fan. He's the gift that keeps and, giving. And he, like, he listens to John Entwistle before he does a time trial, so that sits well with me. So, but uh, I don't know about doing... I don't know that he needs the mo- either the money or the celebrity, to be honest. Is it that he enjoys the challenge But maybe of... he just wants to do it, mm. you know? And if he just wants to do it, then maybe he's, you know, finding ways of keeping himself... You know, it's better than him doing the Bake Off, isn't it? I guess, or 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 going and eating cockroaches in Australia or whatever they do. You know, um, so you can only wish him well. You know, I mean, I like the I like the guy. So, and I've never met him. You know? I like him as well. I think I like, he's. I don't know. I don't fab. know if he'd put up with me for very long, but I'm sure we'd find something to talk about. Yeah, well, you can talk about the jump yeah, if you ever yeah. meet up with him. You yeah. finished your book, Rough Notes, with Bradley Wiggins as the hero. And yeah. we will finish yeah. uh, this podcast with Bradley Wiggins still as the hero, yeah. although with the question mark of why he's going to be taking part on the show, well, I shall, The I'll, Jump. I shall watch it. I shall mm, watch it's going to start it. fairly yeah. soon. Yeah. Bruce Thomas, for the second time, it has been an absolute honour to have you once again a here joy, on the Digital Radio a, Show. A joy and a pleasure. Well, that is indeed your lot. You can purchase Bruce Thomas's first book on Bruce Lee, entitled Fighting Spirit, either via your local bookshop or through Amazon.co.uk if you're in Britain or via Amazon.com if you're based in North America. Residents in other parts of the world will just need to click their way to their local Amazon website to get some Bruce Lee in their lives. You know what to do. In addition, you can also purchase a copy of Bruce Thomas's second book on Bruce Lee, entitled Bruce Lee Beyond the Limits, via Amazon as well. If you'd like to hear Bruce Thomas and yours truly discuss all things music-related, our interview from February 2016 is available for your listening pleasure. You can find the links to this podcast in the description to the very episode you're listening to now. 
You've been listening to Bruce on Bruce, our second interview with Bruce Thomas. My name is Dukey and I've been your host. Until next time, may the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Thanks for listening. Now I need to go and uh, <clears throat> pop my weasel. Half a pound of tuppany rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. is right. Click your way to the Dukey Radio Show Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash the Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. I'm cooking the tripe. I'm cooking it. Oh, Orin, Orin. Because I'm... Uh, what? Uh, wrong Elvis. <laughs>